Welcome to Watershed's April podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the head of programme here at Watershed. How do I make decisions about which films to show at Watershed? It's a question I get asked from time to time and a deceptively simple question which goes to the heart of what we do here at Watershed and importantly, why we do it. First of all, let me make it clear, I do not programme my favourite films. I have had people saying to me, must be great to show your favourite films. It would be great for me, but wouldn't necessarily excite audiences. There is only so much Jean-Luc Godard's Histoire du Cinema people can take. Who needs vanity cinema any more than vanity publishing? Just to give you a sense of scale, there are somewhere in the region of 12 new films released every week. A proportion of them are what in the business are known as commercial films, in the sense that they get released on four or five hundred prints and are screened in multiplexes in cinemas across the country. For me, these films are in a way taken care of. They get out into the world and they're relatively available. Not that we do not show commercial titles. Look at The Artist, which is the most successful film we have ever screened at Watershed in terms of admissions. That's if you can describe a black and white, silent, Academy Ratio film commercial. There are, however, films which work better in the art house world than they do in the commercial multiplex world. Equally, some titles work better in the commercial. As I say, on the whole, if films are available to audiences, then they become less of a priority for me at Watershed. I am interested in getting a more culturally diverse range of films to audiences in Bristol, ones that would not otherwise be available. This month, these would include Finnish director Aki Kurismaki's Le Havre, A Cat in Paris and Delicacy from France, and Breathing from Austria. Bruno Dumont's Hadovich is a film that we couldn't fit in from February, but I was keen to get it to Watershed. Now, not because it is my favourite film, but because Dumont is one of the most distinctive and critically divisive of European directors, whose subject matter of faith and spirituality in modern France is resonant and relevant. Also, given that we are doing a focus on the great Danish director Carl Theodor Dreher, who explored similar territory, there is a connection across cinema's past and present which is worthy of further reflection. Carol Morley's Edge is included because, well, Carol is one of the UK's most talented and again interesting filmmakers. She made the documentary Dreams of Life, which we screened late last year and which received great reviews and audience response. Carol, along with her producer, Cairo Cannon, have determinedly carved and are carving a unique place in British filmmaking. Edge was made on the edge, with a micro-budget and get-on-and-do-it attitude. We premiered it at Encounters Film Festival last year, and I did a focus on Carol and Cairo, which can be viewed at watershed.co.uk forward slash dshed and search for Carol Morley. Finally, on the films we are screening this month, Front... We screened Iranian film A Separation last year and it's quite simply one of the most important films of 2011. It has gone on to win awards and I felt it deserves to be seen again in the cinema. But what makes a film important or great? This is the little headache I have been given by Sight and Sound magazine. Every ten years they ask a spread of the world's curators, cinema programmers, historians and academics for their ten films from which Sight and Sound will establish the ten greatest films of all time. 
It's a tortuous but intriguing task to define why one title over another, what the rationale might be, do newer films match the achievements of past films? Just take a look at previous lists from Sight and Sound Poll and compare. The first poll in 1952 came up with this list. At number one, Vittorio De Sica's Bicycle Thieves. Two, City Lights, Charlie Chaplin. Three, The Gold Rush, Chaplin again. Four, Battleship Potemkin, Sergei Eisenstein. Five, Intolerance, D.W. Griffith. Six, Louisiana Story, Robert Flaherty. Seven, Greed, Eric von Stroheim. Eight, Le Jour, Celève, Marcel Carney. Nine, The Passion of Joan of Arc, Dreher. Ten, Brief Encounter, David Lean. Then the last poll in 2002 was, number one, Citizen Kane, Wells. Vertigo, Hitchcock, La Regle de Jeu, Renoir. The Godfather and Godfather 2, Coppola. Tokyo Story, Ozu. 2001, A Space Odyssey, Kubrick. Battleship Potemkin, Eisenstein. Sunrise, Murnau. Eight and a half, Fellini. And at number 10, Singing in the Rain, Kelly and Donan. Was Bicycle Thieves at number one in 1952 because it was a relatively new film and neorealism was the groundbreaking aesthetic of the day? And Citizen Kane in 2002 because there is a settled critical opinion that it is, over time and on reflection, the greatest film ever made. Will Kid With A Bike be at the top 10 of 2012, or perhaps Kill List, or Fish Tank, or... I have all of April to review, reflect and have an argument with myself. In the meantime, go see the new prints of the great Danish director Carl Theodor Dreher, which we are screening this month, and perhaps his or Det will appear or even The Passion of Joan of Arc reappear in 2012. That's all for this month.